there are a lot of people who are broken and then they're going to other broken people and having broken relationships. And then in those relationships with being even more broken because they were looking for breadcrumbs while they were hungry instead of going to the bread, the living bread, which is Jesus Christ, to be fed, to be given what is needed to fulfill their thirst. You can't be walking around here hungry and then expect to be fed while going on the trail of breadcrumbs, ignoring the plate of bread that can fill you up, the manna from heaven, which is the word of God. And you go on to the breadcrumbs and scavenging like a vulture for the breadcrumbs, fighting everybody else. That's how it looks like when there's the battle of the sexes or people who are fighting to get in relationships or fighting the other person. You got my man, you got my woman or all this other kind of stuff. You fight over the breadcrumbs instead of going to the bread. doesn't make any sense. doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And then wonder why even when you get in the relationship, you're still hungry. Let's look back in the scriptures where Jesus was talking about Let's look back in the scriptures when the devil tried to tempt Jesus off of the first temptation. Then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. No. No, listen real quick. Every word from the mouth of God, every word that comes from the mouth of God is coming from the word of God. And the word of God is Jesus, who is the bread of life. I'm going to go and hit up another scripture where Jesus was saying, blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who eat now, for you shall laugh. In another verse, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And when you think about this, it's mainly because he is the word of God. When you walk by the spirit and not by the flesh, you're not going to be hungry for anything. You're not going to be thirsty for anything. Or as a lot of people tend to say, which is very common, you know, thirst traps or being really thirsty to be with somebody because your thirst is already quenched. You're no longer thirsty. You're not hungry for anything when you're in Christ. You're not seeking something to complete you when you're already completed. So if you are, especially if you're calling yourself a Christian and you are seeking other means, then you have to test yourself and see if you're of the faith. But do you really love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Because if you do, you, there's no need to cheat on God and trying to get something else or get a feeling or pleasure from something else outside of God, because that's like saying God is not enough. Jesus is the bread of life. You don't need anything else. You're not going to be hungry for anything else when you have the source of everything else. And you have that when you have faith in him. By having faith in Christ, you will have Christ in you. And he is the source of fulfillment. So there's no need seeking it elsewhere. Because you first seek the Lord. And by doing so, you seek wisdom above everything else. Because wisdom is the word of God, which is feeding you constantly. Again, walk according to the spirit and not by the flesh. The flesh is perishing. The flesh needs sustenance. It needs food. It needs water. When you walk by the spirit, things like fasting, fasting from anything in the world, 
It doesn't have to just be food or water. Just fasting from anything of the world that can cause you to stumble and to pick up old habits and old ways of the flesh. Fasting is not even going to be difficult because you're walking by the Spirit. And then when you don't desire those things that your body liked before you were saved, before you were in Christ, you no longer will desire those things because Christ is already going to be in you. But you won't desire those things, so you won't be thirsty and hungry for those things. So therefore, you will also not be thirsty and hungry, not only because the Holy Spirit himself, which is the bread of life that makes you complete and full, will be in you, but it will be also because the desire to even want what you used to think would quench your thirst and, and will fulfill your hunger will no longer be there. So you won't be hungry for nothing or even anybody else. You won't be going out and getting breadcrumbs or acting like a vulture, scavenging for everything that is of this world that's going to lead to death. Because that's literally what we're doing when we're not saved, but that's what we're doing when we don't know any better. We're going after the things that look good and pleasurable to the sight, and we think it's good for food, but it's not. Because a way, well, how, how does the scripture go again? There is a way that seems right to a man, but in its end, it leads to death. That way leads to death in the end. So even the breadcrumbs that you scavenging for when you're ignoring God, those breadcrumbs, that's why they never fill you up. That's why after you eat off and feast off of them, you still feel unfulfilled. You still feel hungry. You still feel broken. That's why sin, no matter what it does, as far as how you feel in the moment and how pleasurable it is at that time, you will feel even more empty and more dissatisfied after the fact. And when you constantly are chasing after the things of the flesh and the lust of the world is like going on a, a spinning hamster wheel or in a maze, rather a rat, a rat in a maze constantly. You hit in one corner and you get bumped, this hurts. So then you keep running to another corner and you get bumped, this hurts. And you don't ever realize that you need to stop for a moment. Or in other words, be still and know that God is God. Sit down and realize what you're doing. This isn't working. So let me not go my way. Let me not do things my way. I need to do things God's way. How do we do things God's way? I need to open fear the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and understanding. And that wisdom and understanding is what's going to fulfill you up. There won't be no, because I've heard it in the church song before, there won't be any constant begging. I, it seems like begging and nagging, almost to the point where a, a person may not even realize it, but there's this song called Fill Me Up, Lord. It's sung by many different people. So I don't know who's the original artist or the original writer, but it doesn't matter because it's still the same message. Where I used to listen to that song and... One day when I was listening to that song in worship to God, it was placed on my spirit to stop listening to that. And I didn't understand why. And what was, what was being shown to me, my heart, was that you already have everything you need. Why am I asking, fill me up, God? Fill me up. Why am I asking those things? When he does that, he, when God does fill us up, our cup overflows. We're not thirsty. We don't have to ask anymore. He already knows what we need before we even ask. So we don't have to ask anymore because we're no longer hungry and thirsty in him. God gives graciously. He is no such thing as overgiving, but we would consider it that if we were to, you know, judge God according to our standards and our definitions and measures. 
where you you know somebody could be like oh you're you're too kind or you're too giving but we don't do that but you don't have to ask him he's already gonna give it for you ask because he knows what you need so when you are in him and he is in you see the thing about our father he does not he does not deny himself he doesn't and he considers us a part of him that's why he calls us his bride he's in union with his wife the church the body of christ so he's not going to deny his wife because he doesn't deny himself he first gives us the example of what it means to love your neighbor as yourself by showing us what love is and what it means so you don't have to keep you don't have to you don't even have to ask he already started i got in the habit of just being grateful before i even asked thanking him not making declarations and statements and stuff but already thanking him for what he's going to give me whatever he thinks is good i'm already in agreement with it let it be so be it amen but in the song for example fill me up god it's teaching a different characteristic that's not of god it's almost like the person is asking and it's, it's constantly asking over and over again in the song. It's not that many lyrics to it. That's like the, the hook is almost like the main message of the song. Where the person is asking and teaching others to keep asking God to fill me up. But it's almost like saying to God, which you already given to me, I'm not grateful for. And it's not enough. I need more. Fill me up. I need more. I need more. I need more. And that's not. That's. You won't need to do that if you're going to God because he fill you up. And he'll give you what you need to where you're not even, you're not even stuffed. You want like more and he's going to give you more before you even ask. So I'm just saying, I don't see the point of going to the breadcrumbs and going to all these other sources of people, especially in this age of information where people are like, oh, this is knowledge. This is good. This is that. And it's like, you just go into the breadcrumbs instead of going to the bread. You hungry because you're chasing after you wouldn't, if. If you wasn't hungry for knowledge or power or whatever it was, you wouldn't be so interested in all these other different sources that claim the word truth. But you're going to the breadcrumbs. And that's why you're constantly on the spinning wheel like a hamster because you're not satisfied in this area. You got to keep going here and here and here and here. You are the one that has to end up doing the research. When you go to the bread, you ain't got to do the research. He'll tell you straight up. He'll show you straight up. He'll even show you the things that are not even that important to focus on because he knows how much time you have left on this earth. And unlike the devil who will let you waste your time while you're on the earth because he comes to steal like a thief. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The, the most valuable thing that you can give to God is your time because through, through your time, that's your obedience to him. It's not to say when he gives a command, when he, when he desires for us to be holy as he is holy, it's not, okay, I'll do that tomorrow. I'll do it when I feel like it. It's now. Not later, not when you decide, because that mindset is still based on being willfully ignorant and doing your own will instead of the Father's will. And in that, in doing his will instead of your own and dying to self daily and picking up your cross daily, your time has now been invested only in the business of God, only in our Father's business. And it's beautiful because you'll never be hungry. You won't be thirsty after the lust of the flesh anymore. Those things don't even cross your mind. You look back, if the old you come up, I like for me, I'll be like, I see the old Quinella try to come up here and there. She's sneaky. I just push it back in the ground. I'm like, I ain't got time for this. 
get back where you belong. You're dead. Because remember this, that Jesus said, it's another reason why you won't be hungry. You'd be so busy doing the Lord's work, which while by, by being, by doing his work, and while he's sanctifying you, you're constantly meditating on his word. For example, while I'm teaching, while I'm studying, taking a lot of notes, while I'm writing, while I'm even while I'm drawing things, anything that he's, any skill or gift that he's giving me, by me not being focused on my distractions, I will actually realize that a whole day will go by and I didn't eat that day, but I wasn't hungry. So physically, I'm full. Spiritually, I'm being fed. And this reminds me of what Jesus has said. Let me see if I can go find that real quick because I, I, I want to make sure that I don't miss anything. Okay, I found it. It's in John chapter 4. But instead of just reading that verse, I want to go ahead and read the full chapter. Okay, so I'm going to start at John chapter 4 verse 1. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sichar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father, Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me. The hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit. 
and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then, his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with the woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say, There are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with him, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. After the two days, he departed from Galilee. For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine, and at Capernaum there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him, to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. And he himself believed in all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. So I want to definitely go back and emphasize the point that he made when his disciples had asked him, or tried to get him to eat, and they, they were they they wanted him to eat, but he had replied to them. Let me go back up. He replied to them, "I have food to eat that you do not know about." Because at the time Christ had not yet been glorified on the cross, and so his disciples that were following him and that loved the truth had not yet received the Holy Spirit. And this is the food that he's talking about. 
Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. This is John chapter four, verse 34, when he says this. When you have Christ, you have the bread of life. There's no need for breadcrumbs, which is where the devil will have you constantly gravitating towards. So I just want to encourage, I just want to encourage any of you all who have stumbled upon his lies and are in his maze like a rat through the distractions of, I, I need this to fulfill me. I need that to fulfill me. Once you have believed in Christ, those are just distractions. You already have everything that you need. Uh, the devil will just, he, the enemy will just want you to think that there's more that you need because the flesh is never satisfied for one. And so it's a vain and pointless attempt to satisfy the flesh to begin with because it can never be satisfied. And then we're going out, venturing out into the world, trying to find a way, whether it's serving creation or whether to do something that is of the world or in the world, you're trying to find a way to get that validation and that satisfaction that leads to death to begin with operating in a way where you will never be satisfied so much time is going to be wasted and so much of that time of you doing your will instead of the will of god where you will be full the moment you go his way by putting your faith in his word instead of yours and others but i just wanted to make a big emphasis and a, a point on that when you desire God's desires that's desiring his will for your life in your life you will be fed you won't be hungry I'm talking about physically and spiritually you won't be hungry and you will be overflowing physically and spiritually with so much that he will give you and the love that you have for others which is coming from how God loves our father love others you can't help but to give what is overflowing to you to others because you have that to give because that's actually how God gives to you this is why they're warning people who are false teachers and false prophets they don't have the love of God they hate their neighbor when they desire money or any kind of give me this I'll give you that you got to pay for this knowledge you got to you got to they make merchandise of men this is why Jesus who is God threw up the tables because it's disgusting it 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 is giving off the false representation and characteristics of who god is he does not need anything says god is love love gives freely you're not giving to get something in return you're not getting god's gonna give to you his love regardless if you obey him or not it's just sad when you don't desire to obey his will because that's the way that's the best way for you but when someone is doing something to get something in return, it's not done in love. And since God is love, it's not done in God, who is Christ. And since it's done in the flesh, that flesh is that's never satisfied, is always going to need more. It's very greedy. And they want money and want to use people to that usury. They, they, it wants to use people to get fulfillment, whether that's praise of man or whether that's through merchandise. And it's not to say that everybody that has merchandise are false teachers and false prophets. You still need to discern and test those fruits because there are those of us who are in the body of Christ 
or not making merchandise of men, but maybe unlearning that mentality because we are still being sanctified. But I just want to make that point, especially to anybody who is considering or desiring to work the harvest, which all of us should be doing anyway, but to look out and watch out for people who do make merchandise of men and not pick up those habits. Because when we, when you have Christ, I don't even have to tell you anything. You already know this. When you have him in you, you don't need for nothing. He is your provider. The, the word father actually means provider. So our father is our provider. We're not our provider. The government is not our provider. Another person is not going to be a provider of our happiness and love and, and peace. No, only all of those things are going to be coming directly from our father. And so you won't be trying to get anything that you think you're lacking from anyone or the world because you already got what you need. And then what you got, you have an overflow of it because that's coming from my father and that overflow you give to others. And he gives one of the reasons why he'll even give you that overflow when you give it to others is so that other people will see that this person is not, they're demonstrating the love of God who gives regardless, showing no favoritism to all who are in need. And that's the real definition of love, which is selfless, is selflessness, humility, and it's God's way. And so when God would, God would be able to trust you, when he's able to trust you with a little, he can trust you with a lot. And he's already going to give you all overflow. And this is why. It says God doesn't tempt if you're not ready to be trusted with a little because, again, you're trying to get from people and from objects and things of this world. You're trying to get sustenance and, and providence. You're trying to get fulfillment and validation from the world. You wouldn't be ready yet. Not to say that you'll never be ready, but you wouldn't be ready at that time to be able to be used by God in that manner to give to others who are out there getting the breadcrumbs. And you got the bread. You're like, here, I got the bread right here. I got to serve up this dish. Here, here it is. This is a loaf. You slice the loaf and eat it. And when you look back at the plate with the bread, it'll look like it was never sliced. Because you're talking about food that's eternal. Oh, you know what this reminds me of? When Jesus fed, or when he, when Jesus fed the 5,000. So I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 through 21, because I already found it. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about five thousand men, besides women and children.
<laughs> I like how they like they they emphasize the point of five thousand men besides women and children, because naturally, men typically eat more. I know some people are probably gonna laugh at me because they know. People that know me know I like to eat a lot, but typically men do eat more than women and children. So this is just showcasing how much everybody, let me, let's go back. Let's see where it, it says that after everybody ate, that all ate and were satisfied. This includes the men and the women and children, not some ate, not that most ate, but all ate and were satisfied. And that's just like what I was saying earlier previously when I was talking about that song that was singing and, and people that will chant it. That's basically what it is, is a chant to fill me up, God. You don't have to do that. You don't have to ask him. You don't have to beg. You don't have to. He already, you're going to be fulfilled. You're going to be filled up and you'll be satisfied. I also noticed that when you, when you read this, at least this in the book of Matthew, the people didn't even have to ask Jesus. Jesus fed them before they even asked to eat. They didn't even approach him yet. He fed them first. That's just like how God is, because Jesus is God. That's like how he is. Before you even ask, he's going to be feeding you. Then I also noticed when we're, while we're reading this, and I read this many times, but it's just so beautiful. This came to mind, by the way, that, since this is off the script, this came to mind while I was trying to edit my recording and I was like oh yeah that's that'll be good to put it this section right here so again just like I, I would tell other people who I'll be talking to or while we're in bible study where people are like where did you get this wisdom from or where did you get this from I'm like this didn't come from me this came from the holy spirit this came from our father because while I'm telling you this I'm also learning at the same time I'm eating just like you eating we eating together this is a surprise it's beautiful we're feasting together and we're both being you know, we're both full and satisfied. But notice how, let me see, where is it at? In verse 20, after it says they all ate and were satisfied, we there's a mention of how the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. So not only will God feed you and you will be satisfied with what you have because he already knows what you need and he'll give you what you need. He has leftovers. You can go back for seconds, thirds, fourths, <laughs> there's always going to be leftovers, but they don't even need the leftovers because we already see that they, when they ate, they were satisfied. So as God doesn't run out. He's, he's going to have leftovers. Now, I also noticed too, at the beginning, when the disciples were talking about to, to send the crowds away so that they can go to the town and get something to eat. Jesus told them they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. He was referencing, they didn't understand this at that time. They did later. He was referencing how, what they need. See, the disciples were focused on the physical food and Jesus was focused on the spiritual food, which is him, the word of God. What they need is the spiritual bread. And when, for example, when Jesus told Peter three times, feed my sheep. He was like, do you love me? Yes, Lord, feed my sheep. When we're feeding, to those of us who are saved in Christ, when we're feeding his sheep, we are also his sheep too. So when we're feeding his sheep, we're preaching the gospel, we're preaching his teachings, we're spreading everything that he taught. And this is not just in the gospel, this is all throughout with the revelations 
of God's word has been revealed to us in the Bible because this is the bread. He is the bread. Jesus is all throughout the scripture, not just the four gospels, not just in the red print. And we see here where he told the disciples, again, they didn't understand at the time, you feed them, you give them something to eat. And that's what he meant by that. They were still focused on, again, the flesh. They were still focused on the physical because they had not yet received the Holy Spirit since, again, Christ had not yet been crucified on the cross. He had not been glorified. So they were they were still thinking with the mentality that we, we are aware of the natural man. When you're born again, you have the mind of Christ. So the natural man, they need, again, like I said earlier, you need sustenance. You need this food. You need, you need this everything that you see with your eyes, your physical eyes. We still need to eat. We still need to drink when we're born again, but we don't need it in the sense that this is what we need for survival. Or again, as I read earlier, where Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. You will be full. You'll be just like he is. God doesn't need anything. When we're just like he is, when we are being holy as he is holy, when we practice righteousness, which is obedience to his will, you're not going to need anything either. And so, oh yeah, one other point I wanted to make too, while I was reading, I noticed that Jesus is going to feed, he fed, he gave the food to the disciples to give to the people. He could have given it to them directly. Now, so we should look in this. Because everything that Jesus does is intentional. He doesn't do anything by accident. We don't need to look into things, but just paying attention and observing. Why didn't he just give the food to the people himself? Because he's the one that has the power. He is, he is the Holy Spirit. He's the one that has the ability to just multiply the bread and give it out. But he gave the food, like he said earlier, you give them something to eat. He gave the food to the disciples to give to the people going back to what i had said earlier when i would be talking to people sometimes or even when i'm posting something in a comment section of a video and i've been asked many times how did you know this or how did you come across this and i'm like this was given to me first to give to you i'm eating too and sometimes some of the things that i'm making videos about because i have a stash to make i'm so excited <laughs> Some of these videos and articles and podcasts that I'm making, I would have written them. I would have learned a lot, but then I learned something new from the same medium, like the same video. I will learn something new while I'm recording it, while I'm turn like while I'm editing it. And then once it's posted, a lot of times I like to go back and watch it or read it again. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> and I'm learning something new again there. <laughs> I'll be learning something new again there. In fact, I would even, I've watched videos when I first started the channel three years ago, which is actually closer to when I was first saved because I've only been saved for like seven years, seven or eight years, but I've only been doing ministry since, or online ministry anyway on YouTube since 2018. And when I go back and even look at the older videos and I'll just listen to some of what's in those videos, I'm like, whoa. I didn't hear, I did not hear this before. I didn't see this before. I didn't catch that. And it just is so beautiful because again, it just reminds me about how you can read any scripture from the Bible. You can read the scriptures and you think 
okay, I remember what this is about. But you can always be taught. There can be like 20, 50 different lessons. Or for this example, if we use this example in the scriptures where we just read about Jesus feeding 5,000. Let's say, for example, those 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread that were left over. That's different lessons. All them different broken, the same bread. You're eating the same bread. Okay. But it's a new lesson that you're getting. And again, it's not ever running out. It's really such a sad thing too, because for people, it's a sad thing for people who I've heard before, even before I was saved, I've heard this before, where um, I didn't understand why a person would say, well, I've read the Bible already and I already know what's in there. I know what it says and all this other kind of stuff. When I would hear people say that, and this is when I was really little too, when I would hear this, I'm like, it, it, first they came off as arrogant, like they, they knew it all. But when I was little, I just felt uncomfortable when I just heard them say that. As I got older, I was like, you know, you know, it's almost you, you were basically acting like, you know, everything. And and because of that, you you didn't really read. I mean, I wasn't with you, but I really doubt that you really read. So let me correct myself. I doubt you read the Bible. You're just saying that. Because you can just skim through it. That's quote unquote reading it, but you're not really immersed. You're not really observing. You're not really wanting to be taught. You're just like, I read it. I still hear, I, I still hear people say that today. Oh yeah, I read it. I know what's in there. Um, da, 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 da. And then when they would mention something in there, they would have taken it completely out of context. I'm not only talking about this type of person though. They would have taken whatever they said completely out of context because the heart that was going in to read it wasn't going in to be taught. It was going in for other ulterior motives. It's no different than how you can have a person who denies Christ and they don't even want God. And they just want to feel better about themselves because their esteem is low. And so they go out and they go to other Christians most of the time it's baby Christians at that who are learning because we know we don't know everything, right? We know it. We're learning. And they'll go to them. They'll go to the scriptures with already the motive and intent to disprove another person. So since what is written in those scriptures, in those scriptures is God's word and God is living and he knows what's going on. Do you think <laughs> Do you even think that you're even going to get the right context and the right understanding and interpretation? No. If you're going in with a motive where you're just you're just chasing money and your God is mammon and you're using those same scriptures to get over on people and usury, do you think you're going to be able to read or even interpret and understand those same scriptures the way they were intended to be? No. This is why it is written that the scriptures is not left to the private interpretation of man. Because <laughs> it's the carnal mind that's trying to go in there, read the scriptures, and then turn around and, and be like, I know this or I know that. It's like, no, you don't. And it's not even just the scriptures. That's what you can do that with books written by man, by man's mind. They'll go through that. A person can go through the book. If you're going in with a different motive, that's a, a completely opposite motive that they're original author intended they can take from that book something that the author didn't even teach 
<laughs> or didn't even write or wasn't even the purpose of that book. And then because they're so full of pride, they're, they can't be wrong, right? They can't be wrong. And they're so full of pride. They're walking around talking about, yeah, I read this and I know this. And even to the point where they'll even think that they can know the mind of the author and then be able to teach you how to know your own mind and all this other kind of stuff. And it's like, you don't even know yourself. You don't even know who you are. You don't even know your own heart. But you think you do. And that's the same heart that will be sitting here trying to scoff and mock at, oh, actually, this is another video, so I'm not going to get too into this because I actually already written this. But trying to scoff and mock at people who, through humility, want to be taught. Even God says, you have to be like children to be able to see the kingdom of God. But just like he said to the Pharisees who asked, are we still blind or are we blind too? He said to them, because you say that I am not blind, your sin still remains. And these are the people walking around thinking they're enlightened with knowledge. They'll go to God's word. Again, I'm on a tangent, but I'm, I'm going to try to sum this up. They'll go to God's word. They got a little knowledge because that's all they're seeking. They, they want to eat from the fruit, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They don't want the tree of life. They just go, they use God to get what they want, which is knowledge. And they're too blind to even see that they don't know nothing. They really don't know nothing. And what they think they know, they don't use that knowledge properly. So it's just like not knowing nothing at all. And they'll go to the sheep of God, which is, this is, this is one of the top reasons why. Sheep, I'm talking to my brothers and sisters. Why are you even, why are you even entertaining them? Don't entertain them. Don't give them energy. Don't feed the vampire. Don't, they want your blood. They, they want, they only want the blood from Christ. Again, they want them scriptures and they'll just, they just want to twist and mangle them. And what, is, what does Jesus say? He says about that, he says, do not cast your pearls before swine, for they will turn around and trample over them. And they will just they tear it up. Everything that is pure and holy and good, which is the word. You know, you don't know everything. They think they do. You know, nobody knows everything. They think they do. And then they're, what their source they're getting it from is from man. They're the ones walking around like they're acting like an eagle, but they're a vulture just over here starving, feasting off of dead carcasses and stuff from the world because they don't have the bread of life. And they get mad at you, so then they come over there and start picking at you with the mocking and scoffing and stuff like that. And then what you, what some of you tend to do, which you don't need to do, you try to put your faith and knowledge just like they do and go to apologetics. Your faith needs to be in the word of God, not man's fancy way of trying to get back at people and all this oh we win you lose all that what the what why they already lost they already lost satan has already lost and anybody who follows him they're they are lost they're lost and how do they they how do they get unlost by preaching the gospel when you give a defense for the word that is in you that is not i'm going to go to seminary school no if the gospel is in you, if Christ is in you, you can preach it. Remember, the disciples were not college students. They were not well taught according to man's traditions. It, it's even written that too, if I can go find that. Paul was the only one, and even he said that all that he, he realized everything that he had known, he considered it as poop, dumb. Let me see if I can find that real quick. Because when Jesus is in you, you'll speak with authority. I've had, for example, I've had people say, oh, you think you write or you think you know it all. I'm like, no, I don't. You're the one apparently who thinks you know it all because you think you know my heart and my mind. And not once that I even say that I think I know it all. 
And even if I told you, I think I know it all, you don't even know if I'm lying or not because you don't know my heart and mind because you and I both don't know it all. <laughs> but I do know this. This is how you get a defense. I know when I'm preaching my father's word, which is the truth, I know I'm telling the truth. So what's coming out of my mouth ain't lies. I know what I'm talking about because I know the one who knows who he's talking about. And if there's anything else to talk about, it ain't nothing to talk about if we ain't talking about Christ. <laughs> no apologetics needed. They can sit there and still yap at the mouth. It's like, okay, I said what I said. Keep stepping. I don't have time for this. You don't want to waste your time in your life. I'm not wasting mine. Because as we just mentioned before, what, is what did Jesus say to his disciples? And what is instructed of us to do? Feed his sheep. This also includes ourselves. The time that I'm sitting here being distracted by the devil, off of the breadcrumbs, I could be over here feeding some sheep or meditating on his word, being fed. Instead of listening to that yak yak over there, I don't have time for that. But let me see if I can find it. I almost forgot the verse that I wanted to look up where they were. They, the, the, I don't remember if it was the Pharisees or the audience that was just awestricken because they had realized that the disciples were well they they knew this they knew the scriptures hold on okay i unpaused yay i found it okay so we're gonna go to acts chapter four it's actually acts chapter four verse 13 but we i would like to read a little bit more before that and you notice that the reason why we don't have to be schooled is not to say that people that do have seminary, seminary degrees or who go into schooling to learn certain things as far as feeding God's people, his bread, and also being fed. It's not to say that they are in the wrong. Everything is not as black and white as you think because God may be using that person to go that avenue to do with his will. But I am saying that, for example, you don't have to rely on that because how can man teach you the mind of God, okay, without God? You gotta have God first. You can learn more, but still you need to rely on the Holy Spirit. You need to not rely, lean on our own understanding or the understanding of man. So let me go back. We're in Acts chapter four. I'm going to start at, well, yeah, we'll start at verse one and I'm going to read to verse 22. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them greatly disturbed that they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in custody until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to 5,000. Oh, I see what you did there, Jesus. Oh, I saw you. We just read, we just read. <laughs> oh, wow. We just read Matthew chapter 14, verse 13 through 21, right? Where Jesus feeds the 5,000. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Let me calm down. I'm sorry. Let me finish reading this. Because God's working. All right. <clears throat> the next day. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Holy crying. The next day, the rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem, along with Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and many others from the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought in and began to question. 
By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being examined today about a kind service to a man who was lame to determine how he was healed, then let this be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, by whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. This Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation exists in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they marveled and took note that these men had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing there with them, they had nothing to say in response. So they ordered them to leave the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What shall we do with these men? They asked. It is clear to everyone living in Jerusalem that a remarkable miracle has occurred through them, and we cannot deny it. But to keep this message from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in this name. You see that? Y'all see that? They just, whew, God says they do not glorify God as God. They know God, but they do not glorify him as God. They just acknowledge we cannot deny it, but we got to keep this message from spreading, y'all. Anyway, let me continue. Then they called them and in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to listen to you rather than God. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not find a way to punish them because all the people were glorifying God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. I was excited earlier because we just read about how Jesus fed the 5,000 and the focus being on the spiritual bread. We over here, I didn't, this is, I was just trying to search Google and I searched and they realized that they were not taught by man because I knew it was an ax. I didn't know where it was. And that first, the first search result came up, Acts 14, 13. And I was like, oh, okay. I think that was it. So that's why I was so excited when I saw where it says, but many who heard the message believed and the number of men grew to about 5,000. Mm. They ate that bread. They ate that manna. They ate that manna that does not expire for the word of our God lasts forever. There is no end date. There is no expiration date. There is no, there's no run out. Like the storage house doesn't run out. He's, he's the storage house and he's the one providing it. Remember that the, the, the same word of God that's the bread of life is the same word of God when he's, when God speaks with his word, makes what he needs. Well, not what he needs, but what you need. And God doesn't get tired. So whatever he speaks, therefore it, it's going to come what you need. And you're going directly to the, and you're going directly to the source who is speaking what you need before you even ask. And then you're going to be able to give that to those who, who are still scrambling after the breadcrumbs. It says, you've been there. You already know what it looks like. You know how it feels like. You can relate. And then you're like, hey, what are you doing? Don't do that. I got something better. That's the beauty of preaching the gospel. That Christ died for our sins on the cross. For the forgiveness of our sins. 
and he rose from the grave. That's the bread. He is the bread. The message in the gospel is the bread. It's the power of God. Because it's sin that people are looking for. That's the breadcrumbs that people are looking for. Sin is that, all, that illusionary alternative to the real deal. It gives that temporary comfort and pleasure. But Jesus says that peace I leave with you, peace I give to you, not as the world gives. So why not go to the bread? <laughs> you go to the source. You don't have to worry about, oh, ain't enough women in the world. Ain't enough good women in the world. Ain't enough good men in the world. There's, there's, we're running out of food. There's a food shortage. Just all of this. You don't have to worry about that stuff. Do you remember what even happened in the, I'm trying to remember in the story where, with Joseph, where God used Joseph to tell Pharaoh about the shortage that was going to come to Egypt. He already knows what's going to happen. He's the one that's going to be also in control of anything happens. You got to remember who's the one that's in charge. Instead of worrying about, oh, I don't have, I don't have this. I don't have that. We're going to run out of this. We're going to run out of that. It's good to be prepared. You know, it's good to be prudent. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's good to be prudent and prepared about the future and be prepared about the future. But at the same time to be, remember that in Christ, you don't need to be anxious for anything, but be content in all things. And you, you can't even help but be content. You don't have to make yourself think that way. You just will be. That will be your state of being. Because again, you'll be in the state of being of I am who is God himself. Who doesn't need anything. You're going to be just like him. Because again, I love to say it. You're going to be just like the one who you spend the most time with. You spend the most time with God and his word. Meditating on his word day and night. You're going to be just like him. You'll be holy as he is holy which means you won't be needing nothing. God doesn't need nothing from the world. You won't either. There won't be no need to seek anything from it. Besides the fact you already know that it can't fulfill you anyway, because you already got what you need. <laughs> and another thing to note, since we're talking about feeding the sheep of God, specifically the sheep, because the goats are not going to eat his food. They don't want his food. They don't want the fruit from the tree of life. They don't want to eat. When Jesus says, eat of me, they don't want him because he's the tree of life. They want the fruit from the devil. Because see, the serpent's voice is the voice of the serpent. That's his fruit that leads to death. When you believe and trust in that fruit and you eat it, you're taking it in. Eating is not just done through what, eating is not just done through your mouth. It's through your ears and what you're watching. What are you eating? What are you taking in? What are you meditating on? What is marinating in your stomach? Oh, not oh. Uh, uh. That reminds me of this verse. We could go there real quick. It's, it was it's mentioned how in the last days that people's stomach is going to become their idols. And yes, we're talking about gluttony here, but let's let's go a little bit deeper spiritually because there is a verse that that mentions about this. I think I had I had it pulled up because I was just studying this. Yep. So look how God, he has everything on time. This, I had this tab, because I have so many tabs open. I had this tab open about a week because I had came across this verse. And I was like, oh, I want to study this. So I just kept the tab open. I didn't even write it down. And let me go here. Proverbs chapter 8. Blah, blah, can you talk? Let me slow down. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 18. Let me see where we can start at. Verse, go back up, go back up. Mm, you know, we'll just read the whole thing. <laughs> we've been doing good so far just reading the whole chapter, okay? So we're going we're gonna to continue. So we're going to go to Proverbs chapter 18, verse 1. <clears throat> and just read the whole chapter. He who isolates himself 
pursues self-desires, selfish desires. He rebels against all sound judgment. Because they don't want his fruit. A fool does not delight in understanding, but only in airing his opinions. With a wicked man comes contempt as well, and shame is accompanied by disgrace. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. Showing partiality to the wicked is not good, nor is depriving the innocent of justice. A fool's lips bring him strife, and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels that go down into the innermost being. Whoever is slothful in his work is brother to him who destroys. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. A rich man's wealth is his fortified city. It is like a high wall in his imagination. Before his downfall, a man's heart is proud, but humility comes before honor. He who answers a matter before he hears it, this is folly and disgrace to him. The spirit of a man can endure his sickness, but who can survive a broken spirit? The heart of the discerning acquires knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeks it out. A man's gift opens doors for him and brings him before great men. The first to state his case seems right until another comes and cross-examines him. Casting the lot ends quarrels and separates strong opponents. An offended brother is harder to win than a fortified city, and disputes are like the bars of a castle. From the fruit of his mouth, a man's belly is filled with the harvest from his lips. He is satisfied. Life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. We're going to go back to that. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. The poor man pleads for mercy, but the rich man answers harshly. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who stays closer than a brother. I want to go back up because this is this is why I had went to this chapter. From the fruit of his mouth, a man's belly is filled. I want to go pull up that other scripture where I was saying about how. Let me just pull it up. Hold on. <laughs> um, let's go to Philippians. Is it Philippians or Philippines? <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. So let me go. Let me go back a little bit. We're in Philippians chapter three, verse, verse, where we up? I'll, I'll start at verse 17. Join one another in following my example, brothers, and carefully observe those who walk according to the pattern we set for you. For as I have often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, and their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. See, the people who, the ghosts don't want God's bread. They don't want his word, his voice. They hate the truth. So they are going to hate his bread, which is the truth. Their end is destruction, 
because the fruit that they choose to eat is just like when Adam and Eve, God warned Adam, do not eat from the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And that fruit is from the voice of the serpent. That is the voice of the serpent. Because as we read, their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. How they, how do they how do they get full? Or how they who how do they think they get the illusion of fullness? Because see, with sin and rebellion to God, when you're listening to the serpent's voice, you're eating the breadcrumbs, like I said earlier, you're constantly hungry. So you're not full. But you're listening to your flesh, your gut. You know, it's the devil passing his lies all throughout the world. You know, trust your gut. You gotta trust in your gut. God says, don't put your trust in man. <laughs> but trust your gut. Open your mind. Because you're gonna be trusting in him who talks through the flesh. But people that don't want God's bread, as is written in, let's go back, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 20. From the fruit of his mouth, a man's belly is filled with the harvest from his lips. He is satisfied. Life and death are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat his fruit. So they're going to be either eating from God's mouth or from the devil's mouth. But those who love it will eat his fruit. And that's why you can't even, you, that's all like, yeah, you don't want the truth. I'm going to go over here. I ain't got time for this. God already said it. You, you love your lies. You love death. Cause that people want to just sit here and argue about, oh, this is what I believe. Or I believe this and I believe that. Because it's like my opinion is always to me when I'm hearing that is like, here's my opinion. This is what's important to me. You need to hear it. Cause I think it's the most important to me. I believe this. I believe that. I cut it off when I'm like, you know, you can believe in the truth or a lie. So which one is it? Do you want the truth? I'm not saying I'm the source of truth. I'm saying I love the truth. That's what I believe in. My opinions is based in the truth. How I have an opinion about my life, what I have in my house, what I watch, what I eat, what I drink, <laughs> what I listen to. My opinions are focused on the truth. If I waver, if I'm off, God will convict me. He'll correct me. Thank God he will. Because I don't want what I think I want. So what you believe in, is it a truth or is it a lie? Because otherwise we ain't got nothing to talk about. Again, if we don't, if we don't talk about Jesus, we ain't got nothing to talk about. Because <laughs> basically I'm saying at the same time, because it's not just saying, okay, got to talk about Jesus all the time. Got to keep saying, that. No. Jesus is the truth. If we don't talk about the truth, we ain't got nothing to talk about. Because everything else in the world, that's the, just yank yank news. Yappa, 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 yappa. Why do you think you're getting sick when you're listening to the news? Especially when people listen to the news all the time. I would even go to a person's house. I'm not going to say their name because it's not important. But I've noticed when I would go to their house to visit, and they would have the news on. I'm like, can you please cut it off? It used to be a confrontation because it would be more of you trying to control you. Do you want the remote? And I'm like, no. I don't go to their house anymore or so. But I'm like, no, I'm not. But you invited me here. You wanted me to be here. And what happened to hospitality for your guests? I didn't say this. But this is what I'm thinking. <laughs> because I was like, oh, yep, I'm not going to be here anymore. Because I didn't even say I want to argue about the remote. I just said, can you please, first I'll usually start off with, can you cut that down? Because if I'm here to speak to you, I'm giving you my undivided attention and I kind of that back because, unless we're both watching it, okay. But 
mainly because I would notice that while the news is going, and it's not necessarily what we would think is the obvious evils that people can talk about. It could just be like, oh, we're talking about sports. So blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Everything that is perishing in this world, if you just... There's a reason for why. I know I'm all over the place, but this is why this is off the script. There's a reason for why many, when I was first saved, the first thing, and I didn't even have a TV. The first thing I knew not to get was a TV. And I had a 55 inch that I just gave away. When I got ready to move up here to Portland, I didn't even, I, it was weird at the time because I was like, you know what, this bed, this TV, I don't want it anymore. I don't want any of this no more. I didn't know I was about to leave to Portland because I didn't even know I was going to Portland, Oregon until I was actually going to Portland, Oregon. <laughs> but at the time, I was like, I feel like I'm going to be moving, but I don't want to move with this. So I was about to move to another apartment to get better pricing because they were just having a horrible bug infestation where I was at. And I was like, uh, I don't deal with bugs. And it was everywhere. <laughs> and it wasn't like that when I first moved there. So I was like, oh, yeah, it's time to go. So... Oh, because I keep it clean house. I don't, mm -mm, mm -mm. <laughs> so I'm the purpose of me moving from that apartment to another one before I came here was because of that. So I was in the process of moving. I was just like, I don't, I don't want none of this stuff. I don't want this. I don't want this TV. I don't even want to sell it. I just want to give it away. But at the time, I just went ahead and posted it. When I had Facebook, I posted on Facebook Marketplace that I was getting rid of my bed because I didn't want to take that. And, um, I had prayed about it and I said, Lord, the first person that responds to me, because I want to give it to the right person that you want me to give it to. I want to give that bid to them as far as selling it, you know. But then when I got the response, it was a family that responded and they came by and it happened like, I don't, this happened so long ago. I don't remember if it was the same day or the next day, but it happened like within a few days because I just wanted her to get rid of it because I was trying to move out as soon as possible. And they came by. The guy came by and he brought his some some friends to help move the bed, like take it apart and move it because I didn't take it apart. I can't take it apart. <laughs> and um, he had two little girls and he said, yes, this is huge. This is big because I've always, since I was little, I've always had a queen size bed. My parents always bought me a queen bed and I always just had a queen bed because my dad used to say like, I'm his little queen since my name is Queen Ella. Well, but anyway, they had two little girls and I go, this bed is much this is bigger than we thought like because they were getting it for the little girls i didn't know this in the facebook post and i was like oh that's just wonderful so they asked me how much it was to to get it even though i had it posted on facebook but i had said in the description i wanted to negotiate it and i was before they came to the apartment i was like okay i'm just gonna sell it for this when they got there it was placed on my heart just give it give it to them and I was like, okay. So, yeah, you can have it. And they were like, really? I can also tell that they did not have a lot. I had a lot. I had a lot of my savings and everything. And at the time, I was working two jobs. So I was like, I don't, but I don't want this anymore. So I gave it to them. And then while they were packing everything, when they almost finished packing the bed and getting, getting it downstairs, because I was on the second floor, I had bought a 55-inch TV from... Facebook and I went cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs because that person was just trying to get rid of it too at the time and only had it for like a couple months maybe like five or six months 
I don't remember how much I paid for it, but it was like really dirt cheap. And and when they were walking by, because I was just like, can you just take anything else? Because I didn't know why. I was just like, I don't want to take none of this with me. I need to move. And I don't want to move a lot of stuff when I'm moving. So they took a lamp that I don't really use anymore and a couple of other things. And then they were talking because they were Latino. I knew some of what they were saying because I knew a little Spanish. I knew a little. And they mentioned the TV in Spanish. And I was like, would you like to have the TV? And the mom was like, they don't have enough money for it. But the dad was all, the dad was like, well, how much would you take for it? And again, I'm sitting here thinking like, how much should I? Because I didn't even spend that much. So I'm not going to sit here and like, it was some, I spent like something like two or $300 for that 55 inch TV. So I was like, I'm not going to have them pay more than I paid for it. And so I'm sitting here debating this in my head. And then again, it was placed on my heart, just like with the bed. Give it to them. And so I was like, you know, you can just have it. And they were like, what? But anyway, long story short, I just did not have the desire for that TV anymore. And they were just so happy. I was happy because I just got rid of that stuff. I was just like, I just want to go on. I didn't even care. But they got a big TV, a nice lamp, and a big old bed for their two little girls. And I felt so wonderful at the time. I don't even remember. At the time... I do not think I had preached the gospel to them. I didn't, but I did really feel really good that I had given it most for the most part that I obeyed. Cause I know when me, they would just say, give it away. I would just, I would, me, I was still trying to get something for it. Even if it was dirt cheap, I think I felt better more that I obeyed. But needless to say, we got into this tangent because I was talking about how I did not want a TV and I was just getting rid of the TV before I had one. Because the TV is spreading off so many different voices and they ain't from God. You're going to have two main voices that are going to be traveling in this world. I'm going to say this a lot. Two main voices are traveling in this world through people. And that will either be, that's either Jesus, through the Father, his word. Or that it will be the devil's voice speaking through people. And once you, you, a lot of people are like, yeah, I know this or whatever. No, 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 no. You know, you acknowledge no, once you really, really just take that in and take it for what it is, you don't have time to hear people talk. You don't. You're not going to have time for that. You're not going to have, you're not going to want nothing that they have to talk about. Because, oh, especially as women, men gossip too. Because a lot of men are effeminate right now. Males, not men. A lot of males are effeminate right now. But the gossip is crazy right now. It's like, I don't care about what's going on over in Asia or Australia. You should care. Why should I care? I am concerned about how people are being treated. But I already know why they are. Because the voice that I mostly cater to and focus on is God. He already tells me about what's going on in the world. He already feeds me the news that I need to hear and has fed me to where I will be able to hear him to begin with. His good news. I don't need to hear the news of everything else. And people will be like, why am I so sick? You probably got COVID from listening, not from coughing and sneezing all the folks. The real sin, the real death is in listening to the voice of the serpent. COVID could be just another name for the common flu. But then what ends up happening is that because you believe the definition and the lies based around that and the fear mongering and all that, that fear came from obeying what people were saying they already don't know everything. 
that were also listening from the devil themselves. Again, breadcrumbs. You're following a trail of breadcrumbs everywhere. And it may be a lot more crumbs over there, so you think you're actually getting more than what you're getting from over here, from that source and this source. And it's crazy because you'll have those same people be like, do the research. You got to do the research. But they deny God. Hey, you're denying the bread, and they're going over here doing research and going over there doing research, and they still not getting the full loaf of bread. They still get the breadcrumbs. And then those breadcrumbs are expiring. They're decaying. You're, you're, again, you're like a vulture. You're going out just trying to pick and choose off of dead carcasses. But because if you don't follow Christ and you're listening to the voice of the serpent, you, you're going to be led by your gut, your belly. I mean, it's crazy stuff. But yeah, look what you're meditating on. If you're meditating on life, you have peace in your life in your house. You meditate on death. What do you expect? You're sick all the time. I mean, not every time that you're sick is because of that, but you're sick all the time. You're stressed out all the time. You have anxiety. You meditate on your past because, oh, the devil loves nostalgia. He loves, there's some breadcrumbs people love to eat. Oh, I remember when I was a child and I did this, this, and that. I remember my ex. Now you're stressed out. You're listening to people from the past you shouldn't be talking to. What do you expect to get from that? You're not eating from life. You're eating from everything that's going to cause you to be away from it. And that's why certain people that still, even after I had told them, and I told them so many times, I'm talking about over the years, where I was like, no, I don't do that. I don't watch that. I don't hang around that. I don't, I don't want to do that. They still continue to want to be around me because I wanted life. But they still wanted to hang on to the world and then think they can bring that around me. I'm like, no. And then what trips me out is that they used to think I was controlling. And I'm like, you're the one that wants to be around me. I don't have to be around you. Okay? I don't. I already got what I need. Again, as mentioned in the beginning of this off the script podcast, I already got what I need. I don't need you. I don't need that person. I don't need nothing in the world. Let's take offense to that. I don't need you. You do need me. No, I don't. <laughs> Baby. Why are you not for that? I know it is funny, but it's serious. It's serious. But anyway, I wanted to encourage my brothers and sisters, and even to those who may not be of the faith yet. Come on, stop eating on the breadcrumb. <laughs> I love you all. Thank you so much for listening. Y'all listening for a while. I hope you were doing something productive. Oh, y'all only can be productive when we. That's another. That's another topic for another time. Okay. Thank you for listening. God bless.